if you're tuned into this, welcome to the first ever episode of How to Be a Baller. Thank you for being here. This is a brand new podcast from Versus that speaks to some of the game's most talented players about their inspirational journeys to becoming a pro baller. My name is Myra Quadri, and in each episode, we'll be talking to some elite talent, and we'll go down memory lane, and we'll talk about how they got their start in football. We're blessed for our first ever guest to be a young baller who's gone from strength to strength. You would have probably seen him ball out at Bristol City. He scored goals for Swansea. He tasted victory at Aston Villa and he confirmed himself as a certified bagsman last season for Chelsea. If you haven't guessed already, it's none other than Tammy Abraham. But before we go into that interview, why don't we talk about why Tammy Abraham is sort of the perfect profile for this sort of conversation. I'm joined by two colleagues of mine who are versus team members. That's Johnny and Corey. How are you guys doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. My, my name escapes your mind there for a second. I tasted that. I'm good. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. First and foremost, it's probably the right time to say a massive shout out to Nike for this opportunity. And I feel like this is a really, really powerful thing we're doing. This The conversation itself is a really in-depth, different side of time that people may have not seen before. But why do you think it's so essential we get those sort of conversations from young ballers especially at the time of this i think like from my side it's just this element of sort of inspiration that they can bring i think right now i mean we're living in a time when i think you know for anyone whether you're a young person or an older person you need that sense of optimism and inspiration in your life and i feel like tammy abraham with his story and the level of success he's achieved at so many different levels in, in so many different ways and the way he's carried himself throughout this start of his journey i think is like full of life lessons for people to take and in terms of someone who's just at the top of their game right now and has been for the last 12 months or so he's doing that right like 18 goals in his first season for Chelsea you know tasted adversity this summer really when people thought he might not get in the team quite as much and he had a few certainly more than a few naysayers on how he performed at the back end of last season but for you know for us and for what we've seen he's come back firing on all cylinders at the start of the season and looked like someone who is just going to go from strength to strength as his career goes on. So I think for us, it's kind of great for anyone who's been successful to kind of take a step back and really, you know, kind of examine how they got there, why they got there and what lessons we or anyone else can take from that. No, I agree. And, and one thing that really stands out to me is that human side of, of a footballer. What's your, your thoughts on that journey and just kind of seeing that this superstar is in fact just like us? Well, that's exactly it. You know, I look at Tammy, he could just be like one of the boys I went to school with, like he's from Southeast. Um, and that's the thing with this new generation of footballers, right? I think for the first time we look at them and we can actually see ourselves in them. And, you know, because of social media, because of platforms like ours, we can actually have these conversations with them. Um, you know, and as Corey said, I think now more than ever, it's so important to hear how someone who, if we remember, is just an ordinary young guy like we are, like how he's been able to make a, you know, such a success of his life at such an early age and how, you know, we, our audience can kind of learn from that. And, you know, just understand a little bit more about the times before he was Tammy Abraham. He was Tammy Abraham, but he wasn't the Tammy Abraham that we all know. Um, and I've got a genuine interest there, you know, so I can't wait to hear what he says. Yeah, it was a um, really good conversation and like so much comes from it. It's not just Tammy Abraham, the England striker, Tammy Abraham for goal score for Chelsea, Tammy Abraham, the guy that sings occasionally. This is Tammy Abraham from the beginning of the journey through everything to now. So without further ado, 
This is How to Be a Baller with Tammy Abraham. You've always been at Chelsea from the age of seven, but how did football actually start for you? My first ever memories, I remember when they, you know, me and my brother, my little brother, you know, playing football around the house. We, we used to smash a lot of, you know, furniture and de uh, decorations and all sorts. And, you know, parents used to lose their heads at us. And I remember my my mom came back from work one day and she was talking to my dad. And I remember I was listening because I was in the living room and she was saying how her friend had a team in Greenwich and uh, how he said, I can come over and I can start playing for the team. And I remember I was, I was young, so I didn't really understand it. I just thought it was a group of boys just, you know, going down to a park to play football. So that's where it really began, really. And from there, how do you then transition from being someone that's playing for a local team in Greenwich, which is still South London for you, to then crossing over to ending up at South West London in the academy? Yeah, I remember we used to go to tournaments. So I joined up with this team. It was called Brewing FC. And um, yeah, like I said, it was based in Greenwich. And I remember we were just playing games. We went to tournaments, little tournaments. And we used to just beat everyone. We used to just win every game. You know, I had a burial with me who's obviously at Crystal Palace right now. Um, you know, there was a lot of us. A lot of us made it to the academy. But, you know, backtracking, we went to tournaments and clubs used to come watch us. And I remember I had... After a game one time, I just saw some guys talking to my parents and you know, I got in the car. My mom said, Chelsea, Arsenal, Charlton, West Ham, they all want you to come and play football for them. So when I heard Arsenal and you know, Chelsea and all sorts, I was, I was over the moon. So you know, as a young boy, you can only imagine what was going through my head. No, for real. And that brings an interesting dynamic, right? Because at this time, everyone knows you as Tammy Abram, the goal scorer, but at this time, this was a different story, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You was what? You were still playing? Was you still playing defence then? Or was that when you got into the academy, you became this centre-back? So I first started, and obviously I was taller than everyone. So, you know, everyone's instincts is he's a defender. You know, he's, he's too long to be attacker. He's all sorts. But yeah, so I went into football and I was playing at the back. But I just saw everyone scoring and, you know, I wanted to get in and react. So I just used to keep running forward, trying to get in the box. And you know, gradually I just kept getting more and more goals and I was enjoying it. So I wasn't enjoying defending no more, I was just enjoying attacking. So gradually over the years we moved forward. No, that's that's the one you mentioned that within that team there was a lot of people that went into academies. Um you mentioned Eze. And of course the year group that you went in at an academy was a flooded year group of talent. But when did that moment click for you that you know what this is for me? I don't, I think, you know, from the get-go, you know, once you get into academy, from there, your mindset changes. It's no more, you know, just playing in a park with local lads and, you know, hopefully one day you'll sign for a team and if not, then you could just, you know, carry on, maybe carry on with school and et cetera. As soon as I made it into the Chelsea Academy, you know, I had one goal, I had one focus. You know, at a young age, thankfully, they, they bring you to games. They want you to have that taste, that experience of, you know, maybe one day you could be on this pitch. So luckily for me, I took my family to a couple of games, you know, when I was younger. So I went to go experience, you know, the likes of Didier Drogba, you know. I went to a lot of Chelsea Arsenal matches as well. So it was a good, it was a good feeling for me. So since then, and then I just, you know, wanted to make it to the top. 
And you mentioned your family there, because of course, everyone knows that um, you're British, however, you've got Nigerian heritage and everything. What was it like with your family? At what point did they realize, you know what, this is like, this is for him. And we know that you're, you're keen vocalist as well. Was there any alternatives that you probably thought, or did you just know from the academy that this was you? Well, you know, my family knew, you know, I had, I had a taste for football, you know, from when I told you I was smashing all the decoration in the house. So they always knew football was what I wanted to do. Um, they pushed me and, you know, they sacrificed a lot to get me where I am today. So, you know, give thanks to them. But from a young age, they, my mom used to, she, she actually was working, but she had to take my brother, my sister's school, take me to football. You know, my dad had to do the same. My dad was going back and forth to Nigeria, working hard, you know, to bring money into the household. So there was a lot of going on. There was a lot of things going on. And, you know, my family just wanted me and my brother to make it at football. And so they did everything they could to, you know, sacrifice to, for us to get to that level. And uh, going back to your question as well, was there any other alternatives? Um, in school, when I got into secondary school, it was, you know, I got into acting, you know, I knew I had a good voice on me as well. I was in, I was in the choir as well in school. So there was, there was options there, you know, for me, I've always been a Bobby character. So drama acting wasn't far off, off my mind. No, I hear you. One thing you've mentioned about is kind of like situations and how, how your, your family made it work for you to push you and your brother. One thing that's maybe not appreciated by a lot of fans is that footballers are first and foremost human beings and that being in an academy, it, it is a high pressure environment. I mean, the stats are out there that the amount of footballers that actually make it to professional football is less than 1%. So what is it like in an academy, that sort of pressure, especially at that age, especially like, because you got picked up pretty early. So what is it like being in that sort of environment? It's, it's a crazy world, you know. I've, I've played with so many players, and, you know, trained with so many players who, who've gone on with their lives and, you know, moved on from football. So, you know, when you talk about pressure, there's, there's a lot of pressure that people don't understand and realise, especially coming from the academy. And academy like Chelsea as well. Now, I remember even at the age of 16, um, a lot of the lads, the majority of the lads, went into full-time. So, you know, they leave home, they leave school, and they go basically live at Chelsea and, you know, do school there and all sorts. But me, I remember me and Fikayo were the only two people in the whole team that didn't do the full-time. You know, we stayed in school. We used to miss two days of school and obviously go to Chelsea to train four days. Us two were the only two to do that. And at that age, there's a lot of pressure because, you know, at the end of the year, you're all, um, you get your professional contract when you obviously turn 17. So, you know, in our minds, at the back of our minds, in our parents' minds, it's like, I want you to stay in school. But then again, if you're not doing the full time, are you guaranteed to get a professional contract? So there was a lot of things going on. So there was a lot of ifs and buts, but, you know, thankfully I stayed in school got to experience secondary school life as well and then and I was offered a professional contract as well you what you mentioned now is day release right and again those that have played football are familiar with the whole process and how it's one minute you might just be in like English next minute it's like oh listen you've got to go to Cubs outside what is what is that like in terms of when you look back on it and you look at the dedication you put in and the mindset you had to have because like you said you and Bukayo are so close now but 
you guys chose that decision to stay in school. Like, what was the mindset behind that decision? Thinking back now, you know, I wanted to, to have the experience, you know, of going to school, you know, getting grades, but playing football as well. You know, it's football, don't get me wrong, full-time is, if I could get my children to do full-time, I'll get them to do full-time. But, you know, I just wanted to experience going to school and going to football bit, you know, having basically two different lives. You know, you can focus on school and you can focus on football while you're there. And that was my mindset, really, you know, if football didn't work out, you know, at least I could have my grades to fall on. You know, you always have to have the, the backup plans if something doesn't work out. And basically school was my backup plan. No, I, I hear that. One of the key things you mentioned is that pivotal age. Where 15, 16, December's coming up. Big decisions need to be made. You might be playing all the games, but essentially your destiny within football is not in your hands almost. You can do. Going back to that moment, what was it like thinking, okay, you know what, I've done everything, but I don't know where this is decision-wise. Am I going to get my pro and whatnot? And do you remember your first game post actually getting your contract? Um, cool. What it's like. So um, I remember, you know, I was always I was always a good footballer. I was always good. I was always trying to find, figure out what type of. Until today, I'm still trying to figure out what type of player I am. Because you know, growing up at that age of 16, you know, just before 17, just before the professional contract, I was out on the wings. I was, I was, you know, I had skills. I was dribbling past players. I was scoring goals. So I didn't really know which kind of footballer I was. I was still, you know, growing into my body. And um, I wasn't really playing, you know, all the age groups. I was just in my age group, even though I was, you know, doing very well, scoring so many goals, breaking records and etc. You know, I was always at my level and, you know, there was other players who were playing up. So in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, the players that are playing up are going to get professionals and I don't know what's going to happen with me, but, you know, I knew I was a good footballer. I wasn't, you know, a player that I believed if, you know, I didn't make it at Chelsea, I could have, you know, gone to another academy and tried there. But, you know, there's nothing in the back of my mind that was saying I was not going to get a professional contract. And um, I remember I was, I think I was, me and Fikai were one of the last two to get the phone call. You know, our friends were sending us texts um, saying, uh, have you got the contract? Have you got the call? I was like, nope, no call yet, no call yet. My parents were shaking. And then, you know, I had the call and Chelsea offered me a professional contract. And so now it's probably one of the proudest moments I've had in football. How did your family feel about that? Because all of that sort of everything they put in, in that moment, it's it's justified. It's like, you know what, we're here. But at the same time, it's, it's one step, but there's still so long to go after that. You know, when you get that professional contract, it's... As you can imagine, me and my family were, were over the moon with delight. And you know, you don't think about you don't think of okay, now I've got to get to the first thing. You're thinking of I need to get this professional contract and I need to, you know, claim my position in the youth team. And uh, so that was that was my main focus at the time. And then, you know, from youth team to the 21s and then gradually start training with the first team was, you know, it's, it's all part of the experience. You mentioned youth team, which is almost a perfect segue because 
at that time, as we mentioned before, completely stacked with ballers who are doing a lot of great stuff across the footballing pyramid right now. But at the same time as that, you had most dominant side in, in the in England. Pro, has, Europe is that essentially to look up to. What was that like? Just seeing these players like and thinking, oh my gosh. And who was you specifically looking up to? I remember a comment Ola Aina made the other day on Instagram. Um, he said he took a, there was a picture of our youth team, and he was saying that um, if that if them players now were obviously all together and we won the championship, he reckons that we'll get promoted. And I don't disagree with that. You know, the team was unbelievable. When I think of the players, the players that I played with, the players I trained with, unbelievable, unbelievable players. And um, I remember just growing up, I was training with, you know, Charlie Wasunda, Jeremy Boga, etc., Casey Palmer, even Dom Solanke. You know, Dom was, for me, was, even though he's my age group, you know, he was never playing my age, he was always playing up. And yeah, he's an unbelievable baller. And so I always looked up to him in the aspects of, you know, man, I need to, need to up my game. I need to score as much as him. I need to, you know, play, you know, in that older age groups. I need to be like him. So there was always that competition there, you know, at the back of my mind, I was like, okay, you know, Dom scored now. I need to score. Dom scored two. I need to score two as well. There was always that at the back of my mind. And I think, you know, that was at the back of his mind as well. So we kind of, you know, just had that competition, but, you know, probably competition, and that's that's what got me going. That's it's an interesting take because there's competition amongst yourselves, and then you're still looking at the end goal, and mm-hmm. you're seeing all of those ballers. So what was it like seeing like the Lampards and Drogba's and everything? And thinking, you know what? And I want to fight and get in here. Oh, um, you know when I when I went to games to watch, you know Chelsea play, you know see the likes of. Lampard, John Terry, you know, Didier Drogba, etc. I can go on. And it's different, you know, when you're watching them on TV and you're watching them and you're in the fans to actually, you know, walking past them or driving past them or them driving past you or them coming to watch you while you're playing a youth team game. And I remember sometimes, you know, Ashley Cole and John Terry used to, and Frank Lampard used to come down and watch our games. And, uh, you know, our manager would tell us, okay, the big boys are here now, you know, you've got to show up. I remember everyone wanted to do the most skills, wanted to score goals, etc. But having that support there and knowing that, you know, you're not too far off is, you know, just makes you want to do the best you can. And you've made that transition, which is amazing because there was a long time where a lot of people said, we don't know if we're going to see that crop transition over, which you did. You've been successful and a bunch of other people have done it as well. How does it feel to be on the other side of the line now where you're going into training and you've got academy players looking up to you and saying that, you know what, I want to be where Tammy is. How, how, how is that feeling? Like? I don't think I've, you know, some days I have to pinch myself to realise that, you know, where I'm at today. Um, you know, it's been a long journey, as you can imagine, from the age of seven to finally be at where I am today. Um, it's, it's crazy when you think of it like that, that, you know, younger players in the academy are looking looking up to you, they want to come train with you, they want to come play with you. How I looked at, you know, the likes of DDAs and, you know, the players in the first team, how I wanted to go train with them and play with them as well. So, like I said, I, sometimes I still sit down and, you know, I don't believe it, but, you know, there's still levels that I've got to get 
get to myself and you know I can't maybe after my career I could think about it but as it goes on today you know I have to just keep going and keep striving. No I respect that a lot. In terms of that academy and the youth team is there anyone specifically that you're sort of putting your hand around or just saying that you know what like keep going it's nearly within sight because there is a lot of hidden talent there and of course one thing we know about football is it's very important to kind of see where you're going so you can actually get there, but actually have that encouragement as well. Anyone that you're kind of speaking to at the moment in that setup? Yeah, a few of them. A few of them who've come up, you know, Amanda, who's obviously gone on loan at Vitesse as well, you know, a young striker who's a good striker as well. Um, there's Tino, who obviously is in the youth cup today, playing in the final. And, um, you know, there's a few of the young lads that you see great talent and, you know, as, as you can tell, talent is not enough. You need to work extra hard if you want to, you know, take players' spots in, at the highest level. And, um, yeah, for me, it's, it's not too far away. That's what I told them as well. You know, you have to give them belief. You know, I've experienced the loans and et cetera. So, you know, I understand what they're going through and I've been at the level they've been at. So it's just about working extra hard, you know, believing in yourself no matter what. You're going to have ups and downs. So, uh, you have to just keep going and trying your best. No, I, I totally hear you. You mentioned the youth team and the crazy thing about the youth team is we've spoken about the influence of young ballers around you and how you kind of compete against each other. We've spoken about ballers that weren't even in the youth team, like Eze, who you've grown up with. But in that team, in that moment, especially like how they're going to play the match today, you guys dominate. But who is that one player in that team, in that sort of setup? My era. Yeah, My the, the guy that you thought anyway that you know what this is the guy. What in my team? Yeah, in that team, that era, who would you say was the guy? Because it was a stacked team, and all of you did so much. But being seeing it and being in it is two different things altogether. That's a very hard question. That's a very hard question. Oh, everyone, I'm going to narrow it down to... I'm going to narrow it down to three. Out of everyone. I'm going to say... Oh, man, that. <laughs> Dom Solanke, Jeremy Boga, Charlie Musunda. That's my three that, you know, I looked at them, I was like, yeah, yeah, serious, serious, serious borders. No, nah, that's... And to be fair, they are they are levels. It's just so interesting when you look at it because a lot of people say, "Yeah, this guy, this guy." But one thing fans never really get to appreciate is we don't get to train with you guys. We don't get to mm. Mm. see all of those takes. So it's interesting to hear that you pointed out those three. What was the specific those three? Though? Tom Selenke was a batsman. You know, he's he's still a batsman, of course, but. You know, back in them days, back in the youth team days, you just used to right foot, left foot headers, just find ways of scoring, which was crazy. Even when you used to play the older age groups, like, you think a young lad was struggling in the older age groups, but no, he was just finding places to score, scoring from all sorts of angles. And I can go into Charlie Masunda, you know, oh, the skills, the feet he had, you know, the quick turns. Um, I remember one training session, he was training and no one was tackling him. So I got annoyed. I, I, I tried to tackle him myself. You know, he's dominating my team. So I went to go try to tackle him and I couldn't get near him. Like, he was just turning me, made me slip once. And 
he was just, you know, very smart player. Jeremy Bober as well was a similar type of player, just you couldn't tackle him. You know, if you try to tackle him, you put it through your legs. You know, not only that, but he could score goals as well. So, you know, them three, you know, at that age as well, they were older than what they was. <laughs> no, I, I hear that. One thing about you that's stood out so far, especially so early on in your career, is football is all about the tough decisions, right? You seem to have the knack of making the right decisions for yourself. That's in regards to your load, in regards to the number you've chosen. And, and like I said, fans are always going to have their perceptions, but you always seem to make the right thing for you. How are you always able to get that right? So, the Villa move, I, I know it wasn't your initial move, but that you wanted, but it worked out. Onesie, learning experience, right itself. How are you always able to make the right decision for yourself? Um, really, you know, I've, I've grown up, you know, and my family are religious people. So, you know, I hope that, you know, God guides me to the right places. And, um, you know, the teams that have come in, I couldn't be more thankful for, you know, they've been, I tell myself wherever I'm going, you know, I've got to give my, my heart, my soul, you know, my blood, sweat and tears to that club for that period I'm there. And, you know, that's what I've done. You know, I've gone to Bristol City. I've had, obviously, a, a great loan move. Um, I experienced the championship for the first time, you know, men's football. And it was crazy. It was tough. You know, I scored goals. I had fun. The fans loved me. You know, the same with Swansea. Had my first Premier League experience. You know, it was tough. We got relegated. But, you know, I experienced playing with, you know, the highest level. You know, the likes of, see, I didn't get to play against Chelsea, but the likes of playing against United, Arsenal, Tottenham, etc., Liverpool's, and you know, I had that feel for Premier League, and you know, I I knew where I had to get to. And I remember it, I was in the tunnel and I, and I saw Pogba for the first time, and I was like, wow, this is this is Paul Pogba that watching TV, and I'm in the same tunnels, and you know, saw him. He was focused. He was big. So I said, you know, I have to get myself ready. And then obviously the Aston Villa situation, the Aston Villa move as well. You know, my plan was to to get another Premier League loan. But, you know, it worked out to be Aston Villa and you know, it turned out to be the best thing I could have ever done. You know, it was a club that I fell in love with as soon as I arrived. So it was a great loan move. Got into the Premier League as well, helped them come to the Premier League. So, you know, then came back to Chelsea and, you know, it's been a crazy journey. No, for, for real. And long may it continue. You're one of these... Um, exceptional people that your journey just doesn't give people hope and ambition in football it's almost a life lesson about you just keep going and you you can you can do things that people say you won't be able to do you can um, write where your critics have said no this is not going to happen of course, course. you told us how to be a board which is amazing but before you go if there's anything you would have done differently up until this point what would it have been it's a great question. If there was anything I could have done differently up to this point, what would it be? I don't really know. I don't really know because, you know, I'll see. There was a lot of sacrifices made. You know, to be where I'm at today, there was a there was a lot of things that I had to do, 
So I'm not too sure. I would have just told myself, you know, you're gonna have a lot of ups and downs in football. You have to just keep your head and learn how to get over the bad times. That's the advice I would have given myself. That's a strong bit of advice, not just to your younger self, but to anybody in football or anyone in life. So no, that's powerful. Yeah. Tammy, thank you for your time. All the best thank of the rest of the season. Thank keep you. Pressing. Keep the blue flag flying high. And that has been the first episode of How to Be a Baller. Thank you and see you again soon. Thank you.